My name is Dana Pavlik, and this is my interview of Dr. E. Michael Jones. This interview has a particular target audience. The bishops of the Catholic Church in the United States, Excellencies, if you're listening, do not allow, with your blessing, the emissaries of graft and oligarchy to weaponize science in order to turn the world's peoples into hostages in their own homes. Open wide the doors to Christ. Refuse for one day longer to prohibit the public profession of our Catholic faith. The Mass and the Sacraments are the answer par excellence to any virus, physical or otherwise. Okay, um, you and I share, Mike, thanks be to God, in common an identity. What's our mutual identity? We're American Catholics. And because we have this indelible identity, the Catholicism part, in my case, the American isn't, I'm also Canadian. Um, where are we supposed to be at a minimum every Sunday? Go to Mass every Sunday. You have a duty to God to worship God. And we, we fulfill that duty by going to Mass. Right. And what is the most solemn and joyful time of the liturgical year? Easter. And if Anthony Fauci and his friends have their way, this triduum, this Easter Sunday, what will we be deprived of? Going to Mass and worshipping God. Is this an acceptable or intolerable situation? I think it's unacceptable. Obviously, a lot of people are tolerating it, but I think uh, we have a... a, a a group of bishops who simply accepted the state's narrative at face value, a kind of naive acceptance of that uh, narrative uh, without understanding the hidden agenda behind it. And the hidden agenda is anti, anti-religious anti and specifically anti-Catholic. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I the more I look into it, the more obvious it becomes. Yeah, and I'd like to look into that today in depth with you to make it obvious to everyone. And I think there's a way to do that. Um, I think that the questions I want to ask you will reveal is a key, and that key will unlock the churches by unlocking uh, some understanding that the episcopacy seems to be um, missing. All right, so in order to do that, I'd like to begin with a quote. Um, I'd like to begin with that quote I put up earlier by Peter Duesberg. Peter Duesberg, um, as you know, is a Catholic and a molecular biologist and was professor at University of California at Berkeley. And this is what he had to say in a Joe Rogan interview that he gave about um, seven years ago. So how could it be possible that no one else believes this, that the scientific community sort of looks yeah. down on, on your, your assessment of this and, and, and 
What, what, what is your, what's the argument? That is, I think, much politics behind it. You see, the virus hunters, as we used to be called, or still called, those who are looking for viruses, doing something or another, they, their pride is to find something to, to get the viruses for, to do something terrible. If they do something bad, then they are important. You know what I mean? So if they, if they are harmless, they're not so important. Saying, okay, you study your harmless viruses, tell me what else is happening. Yeah. So they, we tried that in the 60s. Duisburg went from being a virus hunter, Mike, as you know, to a heresy of the scientific method hunter because his operating system was the moral law. What's the operating system of the virus hunters, according to that quote? Uh, libido dominandi. <laughs> Unpack it. <laughs> the desire to dominate other people, which is the opposite of Christianity, which is the desire to love and serve your neighbor, the desire to dominate other people for your benefit. Okay. The difference between Jesus Christ and Dracula. Jesus Christ sheds his blood so that you can have eternal life and Dracula sheds your blood so that he can have eternal life. That's okay. the fundamental difference. The city of God, the city of man, the city of God is based on love of God to the extinction of self and the city of man is based on love of self to the extinction of God. These are the two options of human history and we're seeing them in our day as well. Masquerading, of course, you have to masquerade when you do this because no one's going to willingly subject subject himself to your will, especially when it, you have no good intentions in mind, uh, disguised by science, which becomes the designator of ultimate reality. So I've written a book to free the slaves, and the book is called Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. And part of the one of the main themes that goes throughout that book is the conflict between religion and science that began early on uh, in the time of the Greeks, when the Greeks uh, first understood that there was God, a God in the heaven who was who was a father to us all. They immediately got into mythology and started talking about Zeus and his beard and his mother and his his wife and his children and his escapades and so on and so forth. And it was codified in a poet like Homer. Uh, and then at a certain point, the Greeks turned to science. Uh, around the same time, actually, that Homer got put into writing around the uh, seven, the eighth century BC, when Thales decided that everything was water. In other words, there was a principle out there that could unify the, the universe. And then it proceeded in steps, those Heraclitus saying it was fire. And then finally, they concluded that it was Logos. And that's the beginning of the story of the book that I just wrote. So but what, but, but, the, but the, po the point I'm trying to make here is that these people like Anthony Fauci right now, he's the man, the man of the hour. He's a scientist. And that means that everybody just has to roll over and play dead whenever he says anything. And right now there's a battle between the man who was elected president of the United States and an unelected scientist. And the question is, how long is the quarantine going to last? And what you're seeing here, what you're seeing here is basically the lining up on two sides of the story. The oligarchs 
are all lining up on the side of uh, Anthony Fauci. The man who did this was uh, uh, Jeffrey Sachs. The man who created shock therapy and the looting of Russia has said we should put this in the hands of Anthony Fauci and we should allow uh, this to go on at least till July. What, what they're saying, what he's talking about here is wrecking the economy. He's an expert at wrecking the economy. And he is now putting this in Fauci's hands. Fauci is going to say, I am a scientist. You have to listen to me. You cannot debate with me. I know what I'm talking about. And Trump is saying, well, I'm the guy who has to decide because the people elected me. So you have this conflict here. Now, it's similar in many ways, except there is no conflict where there should be a conflict, and that's between science and religion. So for centuries, we have had this conflict between science and religion, where science has always won. In other words, science tells us what is real, and religion tells us what uh, makes us feel good, but isn't real. And now, with church, has simply rolled over and played dead and accepted everything that the scientists have said at face value and left us without church services. Okay. Well, if past is prologue to the future, then we can see in the AIDS crisis, the AIDS epidemic of the 80s, what's going to unfold now with the coronavirus, because we even have the same guy who headed up both. Absolutely. So, all right. So Absolutely. what I'd like to, what I'd like to do is look at the paradigm of the AIDS epidemic and apply it to now. It, particularly with the AIDS epidemic, you have the weaponizing of, according to Duisburg, and he's got the proof to back it up, the, there was a harmless microbe, a harmless virus called HIV that was weaponized. Yes, this virus, this microbe was found in the human body of people who were immunocompromised. Uh, who were part of that epidemic, most specifically um, practitioners of homosexuality, okay? But it wasn't doing them any harm. So it got weaponized. How? By turning it into the cause of a non-existent disease. Now, wait, wait, wait. No Let's not stop. Wait, we got to stop there. There was a disease out there, okay? Homosexuals were dying. But the problem was it was a lifestyle related disease. This is yeah, I, I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm saying the name, the name AIDS, OK, made it sound like it was something new when what it was was immunosuppression due to, as you say, the lifestyle, which included the taking of a whole uh, cocktail of drugs that were just lethal if it kept going at the immune system. OK, as, as well as antibiotics which okay. suppressed the immune system. Yeah, so they were suppressing all the time and that was breaking it down and that was giving them those telltale symptoms, okay? The weight loss, the, the carcisarcoma, all of that. All right, so they weaponized the HIV. They say that we found the cause of this disease. Now, really, the disease, the immunosuppression, it had a free answer. It had a free answer. The answer was morality. The answer was the moral right. law. Right. Answer In other words, okay. stop stop acting out as a homosexual and you will eliminate the cause of AIDS because it's a lifestyle disease. And at this point, the government stepped in and by the I'm going to expand the whole idea of the government to include the whole big pharma health establishment, CDC, World Health Organization and uh, uh, National Institute of Health. All of this is part of the government now. 
And at this point, 1984, Margaret Heckler announces that uh, uh, AIDS is caused by a virus. And the virus is called HIV, and we're going to isolate it, and there'll be a cure soon. Well, as soon as as they said that, they set up, first of all, they absolved uh, the homosexuals from any responsibility for their disease. They made it seem as if anyone could catch AIDS, uh, okay? And then they, worse than that, they set up the expectation for a cure. So suddenly you've got this whole homosexual lobby now pressing for a cure. And this is where the guy, well, a guy like Fauci comes in. Fauci kind of, he licked his finger and he put it up in the air and he t- decided which way the wind was blowing. And he realized that the oligarchs were now trying to rehabilitate homosexuality. And so he said, yes, I'm going to help you get the cure. And I know what it is. And they, they agreed on AZT as the cure. Now, AZT was so toxic it was intended as chemotherapy, which makes, which basically it blocked the replication of every cell in your body. So the minute you started taking it, you started to die. And the point was that uh, he fostered, he fast-tracked the, uh, the, the progression of AZT through the FDA regulating system and got it on the market in record time. And homosexuals started taking it and they started dying. Because it was killing them. So I don't know. This is the cunning of reason, what Hegel would call, because you all of these things were part of the expectation that they set up when they announced that it was a virus. Now, Anthony Fauci is responsible for the deaths of thousands of homosexuals. True, true. Yeah, we're talking about. So you not only have now consider that, I mean. People talk all the time about, oh, you know, he's a criminal. He's a real criminal. And you get to the point where it doesn't mean anything anymore because it gets used so loosely. But this is true. This man has blood on his hands, a lot of people's blood on his hands. And there's never been any retraction. In fact, the one man who tried to blow the whistle on it, Peter Duesberg, had all the villainy dumped on him for what they were doing. So now Fauci's back in the driver's seat. And we have another. Now we have, I, I think there really is, just like there really was an epidemic in the 80s, we really do have an epidemic right now. We have an economic epidemic. So what he did to the human body, okay, we can consider the body politic. The nation has a body, right? right. And the nation has a soul. What's, what's, so if, if the body, if the nation has a body, what's the heart of that body except the economy, right? Right. How can the coronavirus be the new AIDS and what's the new AZT that's going to be applied to it? Well, coronavirus, they're doing they're doing something similar. Okay, nothing is ever exactly the same. Yeah. So now you have it. Now you have a disease that attacks the pulmonary system. It goes into the lungs. Okay. now again. This now it, there was an intermediary step here, and it was called African AIDS. Right. I gave a talk on this, and African AIDS was basically created at something called the Bangui Conference in 1985, where health officials got together and they set up criteria. So if you had diarrhea for three days running, you could say it was African AIDS. Well, people die in Africa every day, and suddenly, if you walk across the street and got hit by a truck, it was African AIDS. 
we're seeing something similar happening here. Okay, so the the main problem is a weakened and compromised pulmonary system, usually found in older people, uh, uh, who are going to die of something anyway. And so, wouldn't you say, just to stop you there, wouldn't you say that if the epidemic in the 80s were these immunocompromised, mostly homosexuals, the group right now that we have an epidemic with uh, is a top-heavy inverted pyramid right. of a demographic. Right. So, so, it, right. so, so to, to, just to give you an example of how this works, we had the first death uh, from coronavirus in St. Joseph County, which is where I live, South Bend, Indiana. Uh, the story is uh, an 84-year-old man shows up in the hospital with pneumonia. Now, uh, now he would have, if in normal times, he would have died of pneumonia. He, he, so what happened this time is because of the hysteria going on now about coronavirus, he was tested. Well, he tested positive and then he died. Well, if it weren't for the hysteria, he never would have been tested. And if he hadn't been tested, he wouldn't have died of coronavirus. He would have died of pneumonia. So you can see there's a natural inflation of the mortality rate that's going on simply because of the hysteria. Nobody has to direct that from command control. That happens all by itself. So once that happens, okay, now we're establishing some type of coherence here. The very same newspaper, this is a newspaper on its last legs. It's an obituary section uh, with a, 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 a USA wrapped around it, USA Today wrapped around it. Very same issue. There's an article about a St. Mary's College student who contracted coronavirus. And this is proof that everyone is susceptible. Well, first of all, that young lady didn't die. She she's alive now today. So it wasn't fatal in this case. But what is the point? It's exactly analogous to AIDS breaking into the heterosexual population. Now the coronavirus is breaking into the 20 year old college generation to spread fear throughout the society. Anyone anyone is susceptible. Yeah. So I would say AIDS really was there really was an immune system problem and coronavirus represents the weaponization of the immune system. Again, there really are coronaviruses, but my understanding, 200 plus, um, and my understanding of this new virus is there really is no way to test for it. The tests, you, you, you don't know if you've, there is no test for well, COVID. That's not, well, that's another issue here. How accurate are the tests? And there are also all, all sorts of reports about false positives and so on and so forth, which was also exactly the story with AIDS. Okay. Not, you, only that, not only that, I, I, just to add to that, you can get a diagnosis of coronavirus by just calling your doctor and saying, I had a fever last night and a cough. And they'll say, well, we don't have enough tests anyway. So just you were going to mark that down. We're going to code that as uh, COVID-19. I know that for a fact because the uh, head of a, um, the owner of a website called uh, Train Orders wrote that up himself and uh, right. you know release that so that's going on too so you have all of these attributions just like you had with aids the attribution of uh, a weakened immune system through violation of the moral law attributed to something new a harmless microbe that's going to be weaponized right okay so you're in the in the most general terms you have a category of reality yes which exists but has no meaning and then you have a category of the mind, which has meaning but doesn't exist. 
And so what you do is you have to put the two of them together. Now, this is there's nothing wrong with this. When they when they correspond, it's called the truth. Right. But there's always this temptation to try and establish hegemony uh, uh, by colonizing the category of reality with your particular category of the mind. So, I mean, there's to give like an example would be uh, there are there is a group of people out there called Donald Trump voters. Uh, and you can name I'm one of them. You can, I have a name, uh, an address. You know, all these people have names and addresses. OK, that's a category of reality. OK, now Hillary Clinton said that this group was a basket of deplorables. Well, that's a category of the mind. And, and, and Hillary Clinton is trying to establish her legitimacy and disestablish the legitimacy of the people who actually did elect the president by this act of intellectual colonization. And I think the same thing is happening here with, first of all, you're identifying it as a certain thing. You, you are then telling us what the consequences of this thing are. And then you're saying, you have to do what I say. Even right. in, in the sphere of economics, which has nothing to do with microbiology. Right. So if AZT was applied to the human body for the motives of power, prestige, and a lot of wealth, and just to give an idea of the amount of wealth these guys were looking at, uh, Professor Duesberg said that they have 20,000 guys at work uh, looking for a um, HIV um, looking looking into HIV to the tune of about $10 billion. Okay, so you've got AZT presents a ticket to a lot of wealth, a lot of prestige, a lot of power, all right? How then can coronavirus, and it got them out of trouble. If, if the oligarchs, as you say, brought homosexuality onto the scene, the result of that was an epidemic of ill health, then how... Can't they use the coronavirus to take the epidemic of an aging population and an economy that is falling apart and use it to enrich themselves again? Yeah. Well, I think it's even more specific than that. And again, the best place to look is France. Now, France saved Macron uh, because they, he could not stop the yellow vest protest of these people on the streets of, of France. Since 1980, I'm sorry, 2018. Okay, so this solved that problem. Now you have to download a um, permission slip to go outside. So he doesn't have a yellow vest problem anymore. Okay, that's the first thing that happened. But now we're getting into the politics of the cure. And uh, the politics means the economics of the cure. So there's the man who made the news recently was a man by the name of Ruol, who was the most famous uh, virologist in France, everybody knows who he was. He was an accepted authority. And he came out and he said, well, if you take um, uh, chloroquine, which is a malaria medicine uh, and some antibiotic, uh, you, I've had a uh, cure, uh, remarkable cure rate. Well, this did not fit in with the plan, even though he's clearly a scientist, clearly has that thing, but he's not saying what the government wants him to say. At this point, Le Monde, which is like the the, main, the New York Times of France, denounces him as a conspiracy nut. Well, wait a minute. He's got credentials. You can't just say that, you know. Uh, and why did he do that? Well, because this is not the cure that they want. 
because nobody's going to make any money off of this cure. It's been out. These pills, many malaria pills, been out for 70 years. They've been proven and they cost. You can get five of them for a dollar or ten dollars or something like that. It's very cheap. So then it, the, the plot thickens when suddenly uh, Macron names his man as a guy named Levy, who is going to come up with a vaccine. Well, this exposes their hand. This is big pharma in collaboration with their National Institute of Health spinning this thing so that their people can make a ton of money. So because at this point, you need the state's involvement and the state is going to say, oh, we have a vaccine. Now, let's hope it's not AZT, okay? But you're going to have to take this vaccine. It's going to be mandatory vaccine because if you don't take it, you're posing a health risk. Well, there are lots of assumptions there that they have no right to make. You're, you are forcing a, a, a corrupt money-making scheme based on bad science on the population in the name of health, and nobody, they're not going to take it. So and, cut and it's to this. Let me, let me just give you one more example. The, uh, in India, uh, Narendra Modi put horrendous, <laughs> it's just impossible controls lockdown on India, which is, you have to stay in your home. Well, there are lots of people in India who don't have homes. They sleep on the sidewalk. And so the scientists, they located one epicenter, uh, Indolore or something like that. And the scientists, the medical people show up and the people start throwing stones at them and they drive them out. So you force these people down. You show up and you say, I want to test your mother and the guy knows if my mother tests positive on your unreliable test, uh, you're going to drag her off to quarantine. And they turned on them and there was a riot and they drove the medical people out of town. And there's all this big news. Oh. And as they're reporting this on Indian television, they have banners going across the sky, the top of the screen. And it says World Health Organization praises Narendra Modi for the actions he's taking against the coronavirus. Now, it, the plot thickens even more here. OK, because Narendra Modi now, because following World Health Organizations now makes him available for a loan from the World Bank for a billion dollars. So in order to get the billion dollars, he has to clamp down on everyone. OK, now the billion dollars probably will show up. It's going to go to the rich people. I know who it's going to. Uh, in the meantime, what has he done? OK, he has shut down the economy. There are millions of people in India who live hand to mouth, which means they go out in the morning hoping they will get a day job and hoping that they will be paid at the end of that day. And those people now have no work and they have no food. There's no safety net at all in India. So they, and they live in places like the slum in Mumbai, where you can watch watch slum dog millionaire and you'll get some sense of what that place is like. Now, what is happening? They have no way of earning a living. They are starving to death. And so they decide, I'm going home. So you have, they have unleashed this huge inner Indian migration of people back from a place where there probably could be. It's the ideal place for contamination. It's a slum. And now they're spreading it all throughout India in the name of quarantine. This is absolutely insane. This it shows you the type of insanity and it's not going to it will lead to rioting. It will lead to rioting. It will lead to civil unrest. I guarantee it.
Well, what I see in that is the weaponization for sure of the coronavirus in that if the what's sought after by the oligarchs is to cut down the population of these places that are, uh, you know, uh, so full of people. Well, it's having its effect in India then that is intended by, you know, uh, the supposed uh, cure of quarantine and locking down the economy as it did in a uh, as it did in Africa in the 80s. Right. You give AZT to these poor women who are pregnant and it kills them and it kills their children. So, you know, um, mission accomplished. But um, uh, I wanted to move on from there. Thrasymachus learned it from you. You quote him all the time as saying justice is the opinion of the powerful. What's the relationship between that and scientists like Anthony Fauci who operate not according to the scientific method, but according to scientific consensus? Well, it, it becomes the scientist has the right uh, to engage in what uh, some people call performative speech. And performative speech would be like me saying to you, I now pronounce you man and wife. OK, when you're married. OK, that means my word accomplishes something. Yeah. By simply uttering the word. Well, that's what they want to do here. Yeah. They want to have the, the word that comes out of their mouth will then be the determining. That will be the truth. Yeah. So and it's coming. The only it's coming from the mouth of the powerful. And and the only way they can do that now is uh, disguise the fact that all we're talking about is the rich and the powerful is by saying science says this. So the classic example of this was in America magazine. They ran an article. America is the mouthpiece of the Jesuit accommodation with the American empire. And the article begins, I am a scientist. I'm not making this up. I am a scientist. You must shut down masses in America. It's, it's so patent. It's so obvious what's yeah. going on here. And so obvious that the church here, this is a Jesuit magazine. These are people who are presumably Catholic, that they have completely accepted the hegemony of science over being. And whatever science is, says is true, whatever they talk about is real. And we as religious people can talk to each other to make each other feel good, but we have to accept their question, their their explanation of reality. This is precisely why I wrote Logos Rising, because I'm trying to break this logjam of basically it's science versus religion. No, it's Logos. And because we have Logos, because we are rational creatures, we have the ability to make judgments, to pass judgments on what they're saying. We don't need a degree in microbiology in order to say anything. That's not what representative government is about, first of all. And secondly, it's not what a, an educated person is supposed to be. How many microbiologists are out there? Not a lot. And yet we have to have be able to make some pass some type of judgments on their decisions based on what our command of rationality. If right. we can't so, do that, there's no point for a democratic government. So if the oligarchs can offer a lot of money to scientists to offer the public not um, the evidence of the, their find not find not findings based on the scientific method, but uh, but on the scientific consensus, right? Then um, you uh, you get to a point where um, 
you've got virus hunters. <laughs> and right. the, well, okay. that's exactly what Duisburg said. His right. career went down in flames. He talked I, at one point. I remember reading something. He said, all of my former colleagues are all millionaires now. Right. They all have yachts because they all got on the AIDS gravy train and the government just poured all of this money into these people. They got government grants. They never found the cure of AIDS because there is no cure of AIDS. The cure of AIDS is stop stop acting like a homosexual or even better, stop taking AZT. Stop taking the medicine and you'll get better. Yeah, he says AZT does nothing but kill you. It, you know, they, you can lower the dosage and be dead in uh, less time than in uh, uh, in uh, more years than fewer years. But it's, that's all it's going to do is kill you. Um, all right. Now, virus hunters. Does that remind you of any other title? You mean Nazi hunters? Nazi hunters. Is there a correlation between a virus hunter and a Nazi hunter? Well, if if you remember, if you remember Duisburg's words, isn't this the connection when he says they are looking for for something or other? Their pride was to get the viruses to do something terrible. Is the Nazi hunter out to find someone, get someone to do something terrible? Well, we we can go back to, to to Harvard to do something terrible. I think he's talking about bioweapons there. Or at the very least... No, no, no. He's talking about there the weaponization of the harmless microbe HIV. They wanted to take HIV, which was harmless. And you know what harmless means, right? No. Um, what, is, what I mean is, um, it, what does innocent mean? No nokura, no harm, right? So you take something innocent to the body in that sense. It was there, it was a microbe, it was a virus, but it was latent. There were antibodies present. That's how the antibodies had taken care of it. And that's why they could never point, incidentally, to the HIV virus. The only way you can get an HIV positive test is to point to the presence of the antibody in the the body, which means it was harmless. Okay, so if, 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 if the virus hunter goes after the innocent, to make it harmful in order to make money off of it. What's a Nazi hunter but doing the same thing? Are you the HIV that they're after? Are you the innocent I, microbe? I think I am. I think I, I have to be perfect. I think, I think I am, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, there Now there are a bunch of articles coming out uh, in the Algemeier, which is a Jewish uh, newspaper, in which they're saying, the coronavirus hasn't stopped anti-Semitism. And in one, one of those articles actually mentions me and kind of holds me responsible for the coronavirus. Uh, but let's now stay, you know how. Let's take a step back from this. I think what we're seeing here is the oligarchic intention of the coronavirus, which yeah. is basically to stop criticism. Yes. Uh, the Jews are fixated on what particular type of criticism, but I think we can expand it to say, well, it's probably, uh, yeah, to stop criticism, maybe of Wall Street. Maybe this is to head off a potential uh, Occupy Wall Street demonstration, because guess what happened? The stock market crashed uh, during the coronavirus scare. Now, we don't know what the causality here is uh, at this point. It could be that the coronavirus, did the coronavirus cause the stock market crash? Or did the stock market crash 
need the coronavirus to cover up uh, what was their malfeasance and the and the fact that you lost a lot of money if you had stocks and didn't sell out to the top of the market, which uh, we know that politicians did. Politicians with insider information about health, like uh, Representative Burr from, I think, your state, North Carolina, congratulations, <laughs> sold out at the top of the market uh, with insider information. Apparently, he's the, the uh, government, the FBI is looking into that to see if they got a case to prosecute because there are laws against that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, this is what I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking circumstance we have the circumstantial evidence we can build a case on, on circumstantial evidence just by using the paradigm of aids the aids epidemic and what happened with what's happening now we can't be in the rooms with the conspiracy uh, no. conspirators knowing and they count on that to keep our silence but there is such a thing as a validity of a case built on circumstantial evidence and i think that we're making it here same guy anthony fauci do you ever notice the only people that are running things these days are, uh, you know, people who are almost 80? I think it's because they these guys have records. They're, they're like Lady Macbeths. They've committed murder. And so you can go to them and say, you're coming back and you're going to get us out of this or I'm going to Jeffrey Epstein you. Yeah. So here he comes back again and he knows the playbook. They're going to run it again. You know, right. so you, here's the coronavirus. Here's what we want you to do with it. it we, you have to give us AZT to kill the economy and say it's the cure, that you didn't actually kill it, that you actually are the savior. And you need we need AZT for the Catholic Church. Now, I want you to talk to me about how the bishops are taking AZT. How is Fauci and company? And I think, by the way, the AZT the episcopacy has been taking for the last 50 years. What's what what what's the AZT? What isn't it internalizing something? Yeah, the commands of your oppressors. That's that's what the church has been doing in the name of Vatican II for over 50 years now with catastrophic effects. Yeah, it's killing no, the body of Christ. Killing the body. Yeah, so it's like AZT for the body of Christ. And as a result, uh, they have gotten weaker and weaker because their immune system is compromised. Right. Their immune system is basically uh, the recognition that there are evil forces out there that want to destroy them. And they, they are just pretending that they have no enemies. And when they try and identify the enemies, they're always uh, pulling punches. I'd like to make one co correction. I think the immune system is the moral law. And the, and the oligarchs and their minions know that. They undermined the moral law for the homosexual in order to make, to all become millionaires off of killing them. It's the church that's the safeguarder of the moral law. So what they did was they that the guilt that they had off of killing those guys, they redirected at the church. Your moral law is killing homosexuals. And now it's the same playbook all over again. You're going to mass is killing people. Now that, that, that is just, you're a health hazard. And that the hypocrisy is so rich there. Because as Duisburg said, the homosexual who was engaged in rampant sexual promiscuity, filling his body with drugs, he, was, he called him a microbe collection. He was a microbe collection. And these microbes get, get, get getting passed between these guys. And he said, 
the, what the doctors, the scientific consensus community doctors would say to them is, hey, none of my business. You do whatever you want. It's your life, your behavior. Just, and as Duisburg put it, just pray to Anthony Fauci and take your AZT. So now you turn around and you say to the Catholics, you know what? You're all microbe collectors. You're, you're, you're spreading your microbes through taking the Eucharist and through going to confession and whatnot. So it's always that business of denial and projection. Whatever guilt they have gets projected onto the answer to the problem. And the bishops don't seem to see that. The bishops, they keep telling the bishops, you're the problem. And the bishops keep saying, amen, brother. Yeah, we're the problem. We were the problem in the 80s. We hated the homosexuals and we killed them. And we're the problem now. Uh, we're the cause of the coronavirus. So let's shut the churches. But I think, I think beyond that, you've provided the reason why they came to take that AZT. They came to take the AZT, didn't they, by originally agreeing to say that the gospel, they could, they were guilty of really essentially, well, you know what, the gospel denialism. The gospel did not apply to the Jews. You don't, when the oligarchs came in the form of Jews and said to them, keep it off of us, say something, it doesn't apply to us. They shut their mouths and they took that soup. They took that AZT and they've been dying ever since. Right. And they so if you if you say that there's one group that can save be saved without baptism, you've destroyed the efficacy of baptism, which means you destroy the efficacy of your religion, which means you have nothing to say. And so that clearly and when I said the church uh, would pretend that it had no enemies the main area where they did that was in dealing with the jews pretending that the jews were our friends for 50 years with catastrophic effects the, the uh, i saw it with my own eyes when bishop rhodes uh pleaded to the jews of saint joseph county to support him for uh conscience exemptions for obamacare uh, uh many things like the little sisters of the poor should not have to pay for contraceptives the jews not to a man refused any type of exemption and and basically told the government to impose whatever they felt was necessary on the catholic church abortion you name it. they never so it was an illusion but the, the bigger the bigger picture here is accepting science as the validator of what is real I think that there are people who feel that way. There, Brian Hare is a priest from Boston who was the right-hand man of Cardinal Bernadine during the 1980s. And he gave a, a, a talk at a secret conference at St. Mary's College in which he said, the Catholic Church has to learn from America, the country, when it comes to dealing with women. The Catholic Church, the America has a better understanding of women than the Catholic Church. I, ca I can't imagine anyone talking this way, but especially a Catholic priest. But I'm, I'm sure he was sincere when he said that. In other words, they, they feel that there, there is no foundation in reality to their belief system. That's what they feel. They feel that the country, America, uh, Thrasymachus, uh, the scientists, all have a better explanation of reality, and their job is simply to capitulate to that and do whatever they're told. They don't see. They don't see anymore because they don't. I'll say they don't see anymore that the moral law 
is the immune system of everything, both the body and the soul. It, of the, the, the church safeguards it and it safeguard, safeguards the body of the nation. And so when they drop the, when they let the moral law, when they let the Jews out from under the moral law by letting them out from under of the gospel saying, this doesn't apply to you. If it's irrelevant to the Jews, it's going to be irrelevant to everybody, including themselves. And that's right. why they say, you know, implicitly they're saying you're the boss. We have nothing to say here because they already right. surrendered their authority. Right. right. There is a, there is always, there is always, uh, I think a medical dimension to this. So, for example, uh, penicillin. What is what is the meaning of penicillin? It's basically because we have technology, you don't have to follow the moral law. I mean, the main thing that penicillin cured was syphilis. Mm -hmm. There was no cure for syphilis up until penicillin. As soon as penicillin came in, you immediately uh, made the moral law unnecessary. The same thing was mutatis mutandis the case with the birth control pill. You you made you made moral restraint unnecessary because there was not going to be there were not going to be any unpleasant consequences. So between penicillin and the birth control pill, what what was the problem? There was no problem with sexuality anymore. You could do whatever you want. And then they had AIDS. Well, wait a minute. Oh, stop here. Wait a minute. We need a pill. So it's whenever you have this situation, you've got to come up with another pill. Well, guess what? We're talking about the same thing now. We need a yep. pill. Well, wait a minute. We got the pill. But wait a minute. That pill's too cheap. That malaria yep. pill is too cheap. We need a more expensive pill so that Dr. Levy can make money hand over fist and kick back some of that money to his lackey, uh, Emmanuel Macron, who runs the government in France. It's the same thing. And there's one there's. The, the, the one connection I think that uh, needs to be brought in here is, yeah, you're right. Just like penicillin uh, replaced the need for um, morality in the sexual sphere, um, birth control, the pill, led to what? It led to a demographic Im um, implosion, which led to an elderly population. Now the chickens have come home to roost on that. And the coronavirus is going to ride to the rescue on that. You're going to weaponize those people's death, say they all died of coronavirus, and now you can't go to church. So how do the bishops stop taking the AZT? We know that if you stop taking the AZT, you live. So how do they stop taking the AZT? Well, they're going to have to stand up to the state at some point. Can't they stand up now? Can they oh, wait, start yeah, with they this? Could stand up to, you're right. They could stand up right now. But I'm saying at a certain point, we have now introduced a complete imbalance in what was the status quo in the United States, which was basically the separation of church and state, where the state would never tell the church what to do inside the walls of the church. Never, never. They were always nibbling away at the periphery, like uh, buying uh, birth control for employees of the Little Sisters of the Poor. That's where they were nibbling. That's where the, or, or conscience exemptions like in uh, Indiana, if a mom and pop operation refused to bake a cake for a homosexual wedding, they were going to crush them, go down. But you would never touch what was going on inside the walls of a church. Well, now they breached that wall. That was a clear wall of separation. Now they breached it and basically have told the church, you cannot have celebrate mass. Now, the church implemented that. But the question is, how long are we going to 
suffer under this interdict? And secondly, who's going to decide when it's over? Who's going to decide? Suppose we have a disagreement now between the bishop and the governor. Who's going to adjudicate this? Who's going to adjudicate this different? The church will simply have to state on its own, uh, we are uh, reasserting our control over the liturgy. They're going to have to do it at some point or other. Isn't it even worse than that? If, if, if I come to you, if I, if, I, if I give you advice, monetary advice, and you go bankrupt, okay, and then I come back and I say to you again, now listen to me, um, I'm going to tell you how to once again invest, and I don't give you any evidence that I know what I'm talking about, I just say, trust me on this, you've got to listen to me, would you be smart to just go ahead or wouldn't she say, well, precedent tells me you're completely unreliable and you haven't given me any evidence now that you're no longer reliable. So sorry, I can't take your advice. I'm going to go keep doing what I was doing. Is not the church, Anthony Fauci, they have experience with Anthony Fauci. They have experience with his pr program before. Church gets the blame. I get to kill people. So why now would they say, Yes, Mr. Fauci. Yes, Dr. Fauci. We're going to listen to you. Based on what? When there isn't even a test for this thing. But we have, we do have the historical record. And that's the advantage here in dealing with Fauci. We know what he did in the past with AIDS. So why would anybody follow his advice now? The same thing is true of um, Jeffrey Sachs. He's got a track record. He was a looter. He yeah. was involved with the Jewish looting operation of Russia where basically the Jews at Harvard collaborated with the Jewish oligarchs in Russia and plundered the entire country and sent a lot of that money back. They had to pay fines, $26 million in fines, the highest fines Harvard ever had to pay. And the, the Jew who was president, uh, Larry Summers, uh, an economist, uh, he got caught with his pants down. OK, and so they had to cook up some type of cockamamie excuse where he said that girls didn't learn math and he was a sexist and they got rid of him on that. No, we have a track record for people like Jeffrey Sachs and Fauci, and they don't deserve any trust and they don't deserve any authority in these in these issues because of and what. Hasn't, and hasn't Jeffrey Sachs kind of spilled the beans by his own admission? Hasn't he said that in order for him to fix the economy. He needs Anthony Fauci's help. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's disaster capitalism. And the key to disaster capitalism is strangling the economy as long as possible so that you destroy any type of resistance. We've been through this before. OK, Paul Volcker as head of the Fed made head of the Fed in 1978, basically uh, injected AZT into the economy. He raised interest rates. He strangled the economy to destroy inflation. That's exactly what Jeffrey Sachs did in Bolivia. Trump, I think, is smart enough to know this because he said in his statement, you know, the cure can be worse than the disease. That's exactly what ACT was. That's exactly what Paul Volcker did. And that's exactly what this shock therapy that um, uh, Jeffrey Sachs is proposing. The cure is worse than the disease. You cannot listen to these people. And what, you're saying, what we're saying here is the people are declaring independence from the scientist as the all-knowing God who tells you what to do. No, that's over. 
Okay, the main one of the main reasons we're going through this right now is that the oligarchs lost control of the narrative in 2019. And now uh, they are trying to get it back and they're behind the curve now. Okay, so ABC runs an article. Good morning, America, uh, quoting Good Morning America. Sorry, conspiracy theorists. It's not a bioweapon. You're directing, in other words, the agenda is now being set by the Internet and you're trying to catch up to the Internet. That is precisely what happened. This, as I mentioned with the Jews complaining about the continuance of anti-Semitism now, this this virus is calculated to shut you up and you do what they tell you and you don't complain. And I don't it's not going to happen. There were riots in India and we're seeing riots literally bread riots in Sicily now, okay? There are people, the the furry, because everybody's locked down, the furry's not taking people across the Straits of Messina, the furry goes bankrupt. When the furry goes bankrupt, a lot of food was coming into Messina on the, uh, into, I'm sorry, into Palermo on the furry. That's not coming in anymore. The people don't have enough to eat. And at a certain point, they're not going to stay in their houses in their apartments and starve to death. They're not going to do it. They will come out on the streets and they will start attacking and looting supermarkets. And then you're going to have chaos. And then what are they going to do? I mean, we saw India, they've got people, cops with canes beating people. Okay. In Italy, you're going to have to shoot them. And is it going to come to that? Are you going to shoot your own people? Uh, This is chaos. You're, You're playing with fire. All of these people are playing with fire. They think that they can control everything and it will have their outcome and they don't have any understanding that these things can get out of control very quickly. Right. So if um, if the weaponization of the coronavirus is seen in the in the um, making quarantine essential for everyone, uh, then and that's how they're going to shut you up and silence you by basically telling the church we are now in control of you because you wouldn't tell us you wouldn't tell us what to do we're going to tell you what to do and um it just seems to me that with everything else that we've said um there's an opportunity here it's not too late and if any bishop is watching i think the answer to this problem right now is for the bishops to say Everybody go to mass. It's Easter. We'll see you at the Triduum. We can put our health in God's hands. We have no business to trust these people when they tell us that all hell will break loose if we get together. If you're sick and old, stay home. We understand everybody else. Come on. I think that would kill two birds with one stone. More, most importantly, it would show love of God. And when you show love of God first, you show love of neighbor. Second of all, it would expose these guys. And I, my money is riding on. They are, they need to be exposed. They are peddling a danger here that is not a danger to the general population. That is no more threat than the flu would be to someone who was sick with comorbidities. Um, so I, I would urge them to step up and tell people go to mass. That's, that's, I think how they can stop taking the ACT. Do you agree? Amen, sister. (laughs) I couldn't have said better myself. Well, let's end end on that note. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Okay. Peace. Bye-bye. Do you believe in God?